This is our annual flower communion, which begs the question, what is a flower? Anyone, just shout it out. What's a flower? A living thing. A living thing. What else? Plant. It's a plant. Reproductive organ. It is a reproductive organ. Good. Anything else? What's that? Bee food. Bee food. Very good. So, yeah, thank you. The, a flower is indeed a reproductive structure, an organ, a mechanism for a plant, in fact, a, a specific type of plant. These are the uh, relatively evolutionarily advanced plants known as angiosperms. Have you heard that term before? Angiosperms. And flowers are themselves really a brilliant answer to the question that all living things ask. How do I perpetuate life through my offspring? Now flowers by definition create both female and male spores contained in different structures of the flower and sometimes in some plants in different flowers on the same plant. And therefore the angiosperm Again, those plants that reproduce using flowers, they either create seeds completely by itself, pollinating from its own male and female spores, or with another plant of the same species through combining spores, called cross-pollination. Now, from an evolutionary perspective, this is very important and advantageous because a single flowering tree may create offspring even if there are no others around. But if there are, the ability to cross-pollinate will create a larger genetic diversity, making different seeds with different attributes, and thus increasing the likelihood that some of these seeds will be better equipped to survive and thrive to continue the species. Now, flowers have, in fact, specifically evolved to help this cross-pollination process, to actually encourage what we know as sexual reproduction. The sexual indicating that reproduction happens when the genetic code of two parents create the offspring and not just one. Now, not only do flowers contain the male and female parts themselves, they have developed myriad strategies for promoting this genetic mix-up that is sexual reproduction, often involving the help of not just other plants, but other entities as well. A brisk wind can blow pollen dust to neighboring plants, as can a swift tropical rain. But often other living things become allies in this process bees and other insects and birds and even mammals. Flowers develop intricate color patterns to attract their allies and entice them with energy-giving nectar, all in the hopes that these animals will spread their pollen to other different plants. Some flowers even impersonate the pollinators themselves, such as special orchids, which grow to look and smell like female bees. So that male bees dart from flower to flower, seeking a mate. So advanced and essential has the process of cross-pollination become 
in the evolutionary chain. Flowers perpetuate the life cycle for their parent plants, some of which may live a long time. But flowers themselves are strikingly temporary. Some flowers last less than a day, like morning glories and day lilies. Some can live for weeks, even months, like some old orchids. But none last longer than a season, regardless of the lifespan of the parent plant itself. I know this is pretty basic stuff. We're probably all aware of these things, these rudimentary earth science facts from grade school, but it's all pretty amazing when you stop to think about it. Because just as with everywhere we look, if we are to simply pause long enough to contemplate what we see, there is a spiritual metaphor to be found in all this. Several, actually. The first is that, like flowering plants, we may in fact be able to survive on our own when alone. But we are stronger and more likely to thrive if we are surrounded by community. Ideas, no matter how good they are, do not prosper in isolation. People, no matter how kind they are, cannot love alone. We need both resilience in self and support of others in order to truly flourish. Second, we always need a little bit of help to get there. Now, when we're talking about relationship, which is what we're talking about when we speak about community and especially the beloved community, when we're talking about relationship, it always takes a little bit of help. We cannot always communicate in truth and love with those with whom we disagree. Not at first. When we or another are in pain, even with the absolute best of intentions, we can fail to engage in the genuine, authentic dialogue it takes to form real relationship. Therefore, we must rely on allies and teachers and those who have done the work before us to help us along our path towards knowledge of another. And finally, the final spiritual metaphor I want to lift up this morning is that we are, as are flowers, temporary. Part of a larger, longer chain of life indeed, but merely brief expressions of existence within the eons of time. We are as the flower that unfurls for an instant to interact, to entice, to reproduce, to love, and then is gone. A swirling eddy dissolving back into the current of a slow moving stream. Now, nearly 100 years ago, just over 96 years ago, in fact, there was a little church in Prague, in a place then known as Czechoslovakia. The minister there and his wife were both Czech nationals who had met while studying in the United States in the 19-teens. Reverend Norbert Chopek, looks like Kapek, you'll see it look like Kapek, it's pronounced Chopek. 
Reverend Norbert Chopper, had initially left his home country amidst charges that, as a Baptist minister, he had committed blasphemy and heresy for some of the ideas he expressed from his pulpit and in his numerous writings and journalistic publications, including, by the way, the oneness of God. While in the U.S., he discovered Unitarianism through our congregation in Orange, New Jersey, and he and his new wife, Maya, decided to bring Unitarianism back to their home. So in 1921, they started the Liberal Religious Fellowship in Prague, the first Unitarian church in the region since the very earliest days of Christianity. Though small at first, Unitarianism caught on and the church grew to the point they were able to purchase a building in 1923. This building was not built as a church, and the space was intentionally austere, devoid of any religious symbolism or decoration save for the deeply stained wood of its construction. During services, they had no music, no prayers, no rituals, save from an academic lecture on morality and other wide-ranging topics from Reverend Chopek and eventually Maya Chopek as well. Though popularity and attendance grew, both Norbert and Maya were concerned that there needed to be a way to connect spiritually, aesthetically, at some point in the service. And now it's not exactly clear whose idea it was or exactly how it came to be. One story is that Norbert picked up a flower on the way to church one Sunday and placed it in a solitary vase on the altar. Some say it was a carefully crafted ritual suggested by Maya. Some say a congregant brought a bouquet of flowers to remember her deceased mother on her birthday. But somehow, some way, in late June of 1923, the flower celebration was born. Just like today, congregants were invited to bring a blossom to church. And just like today, congregants were invited to take a different blossom with them as they departed. Symbolizing the gifts we bring to the community and the gifts we receive from the others here. It also, of course, brought the beauty of nature into the sanctuary for what was otherwise a very plain aesthetic experience. Now, Maya Chopik was ordained in 1926 and worked with her husband serving the ever-growing congregation. For the next two decades, the Chopik's Liberal Religious Fellowship grew and grew. So large, in fact, they purchased and renovated a medieval castle to house the thousands upon thousands of people who would attend services there every week. Indeed, that little, little church in Prague became the largest Unitarian congregation before or since in the history of the world. But sadly, as the Holocaust quickly approached from the north, Czechoslovakia in general, and Prague in particular, became inundated with refugees fleeing the genocide of the Nazis. The church became a home, a sanctuary, to many such asylum seekers, and they needed help. In 1939, Maya left Prague to travel to the U.S. to try and raise funds for support of their ministry with refugees helping to convince the Unitarian Service Committee to send the Sharps to Europe to help with the efforts. 
the Sharps being the ministry couple who, who helped rescue uh, dozens and dozens of Jewish children from the Holocaust. And though Maya's trip would ultimately result in the widening awareness of the horrors of the Holocaust and support of humanitarian efforts for European refugees, Maya would never see her husband again. When Prague fell, Reverend Chopek and his daughter would be arrested and jailed by the Gestapo. It was many horrible months before Reverend Chopek would be transferred to Dachau, months in which he ministered to his fellow prisoners and wrote eloquent, heart-wrenching letters to his daughter and wife regarding the conditions of his imprisonment and the faith he still had in humanity and the worthiness of life itself. In his last correspondence, he writes, quote, It is worthwhile to live and fight courageously for sacred ideas. Oh, blow ye evil winds into my body's fire, my soul you'll never unravel. Even though disappointed a thousand times or fallen in the fight, and everything would worth the scene, I have lived amidst eternity be grateful, my soul. My life was worth living. Now, thankfully, the story does not end with Reverend Norbert Chopik's martyrdom. Because his daughter does survive the Holocaust, and his wife Maya stays in the United States, ministering to our congregations here. It is her first parish position in 1940 where she introduces the flower celebration eventually renamed, rebranded the Flower Communion. And today, other than the lighting and extinguishing of the chalice, which also comes to us from Unitarianism in World War II, by the way, the Flower Communion is the most practiced, uniquely Unitarian ritual in the world. So common, in fact, that many other churches that do not identify as Unitarian Universalists have adopted it. Now we, like the flowers, are always seeking community, always seeking relationship, always seeking purpose within this brief instant of time that we're given. Not knowing the benefactor does not negate the fact that this life we have is a gift, as are the choices we have every day to choose love over fear and to make life simply worth living. Let us be as the flowers and promote beauty and the interaction and life knowing that though our time is finite, love might live on. So now we will participate in the annual Bradford Community Church Unitarian Universalist Flower Communion, a gift we've received from Norbert and Maya Chopper, the reverence, Chopper, using the words again, the great contemporary minister, David Bumble. So as Alex plays um, the intro to our closing hymn, we're going to have our uh, flower volunteers, our flower children, we'll call them, <laughs> come forward and distribute the flowers. Please take a different blossom than the one you came with as I read these words. 
Take a flower as a symbol of gratitude for beauty we did not create, for blessings we do not deserve, for joys which come when unexpected. Take a flower as a symbol of your participation in the community of this church, the community of humankind, the community of all living things, the universal community. If by chance you did not bring a flower, take one anyway. Take a flower as a symbol that beauty and grace and joy and love are not matters of reciprocity. In this world, we cannot earn or deserve that which is most important. It comes to us as a gift. Therefore, knowing how to receive is fully as important as knowing how to give. particular this week about how you share beauty in the world, how you use allies and those cross-pollinators to get your ideas across, and how you might use what time we all have left for the betterment of all. Go in love, go in peace. Blessed be you, and amen.